Hello, and welcome to episode number 36 of the Faith School Podcast. This podcast is for women of faith who are ready to put their faith into action in every area of their life and to claim the name of Kingdom Builder. This practical podcast is not just a list of how-tos, but is here to prompt you to take action and adopt the Kingdom way of life. Surrender to a holy God. My name is Leah, and I'm joining you in the messy middle of a surrendered faith. Come on in, take a seat. Class is now in session. To those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. And to my old faithfuls, welcome back. Perhaps as you were growing up, you used to watch this older gentleman on television who would teach you about being kind to others, being inclusive, and you really felt like he got you. And maybe you were enchanted by his welcoming songs as he put on his red cardigan and his lace-up shoes. And if you were, you will immediately know that I am speaking about Fred Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. As a Canadian child, I was watching Mr. Dress Up. To all of my Canadians out there who know who I'm talking about, I see you. I'm so happy that you are here. But over the last few years, as films about Mr. Rogers have emerged, my interest has grown to want to know just a little bit more about this very unique man who seemed to have captured the hearts of children all over the world. My guest today is an expert on Mr. Rogers and wants to share the seven secrets of bringing out the best in yourself and others from America's beloved neighbor. She is a Christian counselor and professor who has spent a lot of time examining the life and ways of Mr. Rogers. And in her latest book, she's given us some really tangible ways that we can apply what he did in our own lives. My guest is an associate professor of counseling at Regent University. She has worked as a head counselor of faith-based substance abuse facility, served as a counselor at a women's community center, and has directed a college counseling center. She's a popular conference speaker for the American Association of Christian Counselors and a blogger for the American Counseling Association. Please welcome to the show the so, so lovely Dr. Anita Knight. Anita and I actually spent a lot of time talking this episode, more than I regularly do for a regular interview, and I couldn't decide what I wanted to cut. Everything just felt really, really special to me, and so I've actually broken this interview into two different parts. This week will be kind of an introduction to Mr. Rogers and what made him so different as a person as he followed Jesus, and next week, part two will go into the seven secrets that you will need to know. I think that you're going to find this conversation incredibly valuable as you navigate the world around you and try to be be a more loving and engaged presence in the world, especially as a parent and as a neighbor and as a friend. But before we go into the interview, I want to invite you to come join our Facebook group, Intentional Women of Faith. We are just the little group that could, sharing our latest faith building recommendations, stories of faith, and lending a helping hand for where we can when any of us get stuck. Not to mention, this is where I'm going to poll my listeners to see what they're wanting to hear or what they want to learn from the podcast. Hint, hint, it's all coming very soon and so much more. Join through the link in the show notes or you can search Intentional Women of Faith on Facebook. All right, let's get into the interview with Dr. Anita. You're going to love this one. Welcome, Anita, to Lab I-68. I am 
really grateful that you're here. This is a really kind of a fun topic for us to be talking about. I think people are really going to be able to relate to this person that we're going to be talking about today. But before we go into the depth of the interview, I'd love if you just share um, a little bit about what your roles in life are right now and where are you recording from? Well, thank you so much for having me, Leah. I'm really excited to be here with you today and uh, thankful that that we're able to connect. And um, I am joining you from Chesapeake, Virginia, on uh, the coast, uh, east coast over Mm. here. And as far as my roles in life, I wear several different hats, but wife, sister, I also am a college professor, so I train clinical mental health counselors. So I work with counselors uh, in the classroom and then, of course, author and doggy mom, too. I have uh, two little four-legged kids <laughs> Lovely as well. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so we're going to be talking about Mr. Rogers, which is really fun. But for those of us, I mean, to be honest, I didn't know much about Mr. Rogers growing up. I grew up in Canada. I don't know if you guys know about him down there, but I watched more of Mr. Dress Up. That was who we watched up here. Mm. And so... It was almost like in my mind, it was a competition between Mr. Dress Up and Mr. Rogers for absolutely no reason. But um, <laughs> I didn't know much about him at all. Um, so for those of us who did live under rocks for a good portion of our life, can you tell us a little bit about who Mr. Rogers was? Sure. And I hadn't heard much about Mr. Dress Up, but I recently one of my readers was telling me about about him. So yeah. that, that's interesting to to hear. But yes, so also... If you're interested in learning more about Mr. Rogers, there was a movie that came out about him last year with Tom Hanks Mm -hmm. playing Mr. Rogers. And it was uh, basically about a friendship Mr. Rogers had with the journalist. And then there is an amazing documentary that came out um, the year before uh, about his life. So those are definitely two things to put on on the watch list um, for rainy day. Um, But Mr. Rogers, he got his start in television when he first started out when he was in college he came home on one of his breaks and he saw television for the first time. He saw people throwing pies in each other's faces. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that really made him mad that bothered him the most was to see one person demeaning another person. Mm-hmm. So his first thought was to get involved in television in order to produce something good, to be able to use television to create and foster good in the world. And some of his early days he spent on a television program in Canada. Hmm. And uh, he eventually went back to Pittsburgh to the U.S. So um, his programming was in in the U.S. and Canada, but then mostly uh, in the U.S. uh, later on. And he produced a children's television program called Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And it was on for 30 years, over 800 episodes. Wow. Very influential. And What's interesting to think about him now is we're in 2020. He died in 2003, 17 years ago. And as I mentioned, just last year, a movie came out about him the year before a documentary. Books are coming out about him. He is still, even 17 years after his death, having a tremendous influence on our culture. And I think part of that is because the principles, the concepts, and the feelings and and the ways of being that he he facilitated and he manifested in his programming were lasting they were not uh they're still applicable today like they're always relevant mm-hmm. sort of like 
his classic cardigan sweater, they, they never go out of style. And for him, it was always sweater weather, whether it was winter, spring, summer, fall, he was always wearing his sweaters. And there's some, some rumors that came out about him in terms of like, you know, did he have tattoos on his arms or things like that? But no, that, that, none of that was true. His mother actually hand knit those sweaters uh, for him each year. And he would, he would get one as, as a gift around the holidays. And uh, so what, while she was living. Yeah. So that's part of the story behind the sweaters, but he did this programming and he studied when he was working in Pittsburgh, he went on his lunch breaks to a seminary, the university of Pittsburgh and went to seminary. And he also took a counseling class with Dr. Margaret McFarland. Mm -hmm. And she worked at a child development center there with Dr. Benjamin Spock and Dr. Eric Erickson, some of the greats in child development. And she mentored Mr. Rogers. Uh, she mentored him for most of the uh, the latter part of her life from the time that they met. He would consult with her on a regular weekly basis and he would get, she would give him input on, um, you know, child development and what to integrate into his programming. And he took copious notes and saved all the recordings from their sessions. Um, and that was, she was one of the most influential people in his life. So part of the reason that I like to call Mr. Rogers America's uh, television therapist is because he really was very therapeutic and he had a lot of his mentoring from a psychologist who helped him understand the developmental needs of children. And so he would connect with them in such a a kind way. And he was a Presbyterian minister. So even though he was, he was on PBS and Mm -hmm. public broadcasting television, his faith was something that was very important to him. And although he didn't you know, carry a Bible or preach on screen. Uh, His show was all about loving your neighbor. And in the opening song, he would ask many times, you know, I think it was up to five times within that one song, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Mm. So there was this very clear welcoming, this invitation to neighborliness and um, a developmental consideration for where kids are. And he tried to spark wonder and curiosity he would say things like, I wonder how they make apple juice, because you can't squeeze an apple like you can squeeze oranges. Right. <laughs> so that's just, I could tell you about him all day long. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little bit about him. Get things started. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Well, that actually gives a lot of probably background and context to my next question and gives us a little bit more of an answer, I guess. But maybe if you want to expand on it, like as a counselor yourself, what kind of drew you? to Mr. Rogers as this example. Um, it sounds like he, you know, did get some insight and training from other people who were counselors, but to you in that position, what really drew you to him as a person and as an example? Yeah, that's a great question, Leah, as far as, you know, what drew you in? I think there's, there's so many things and it changed over time as a child. I think I was drawn in by his consistency, mm-hmm. just the idea that anytime you turned on his program, you'd know what to expect, right? He was always going to start off with this very sweet song. And then he was going to change from his blazer to his sweater. And he was going to change from his street shoes to his tennis shoes and, you know, invite you to be his neighbor Mm -hmm. and uh, into this, what felt like a dialogue, because he would often ask rhetorical questions. Yeah. You know, have you ever seen this? And he would show you some kind of object. I can imagine children everywhere just talking back to their television screens. Yeah. So 
yeah. he, he had this way of kind of drawing you in and inviting you and, and welcoming you. And mm-hmm. there was, a, I think, a sense of safety to that consistency of knowing and, and even joy with kids know exactly, you know, what to expect and what's going to come next. Yeah. And then as an adult, I had a whole new appreciation for Mr. Rogers uh, after studying psychology and learning about different stages of development and to see just what an, a genius of emotional intelligence and empathy he was yeah. to be able to connect with children's emotions in such deep ways. He was definitely a person of depth. He wasn't satisfied in that shallow water of superficial knowing. He he would go for the deep dive of, of really truly knowing mm-hmm. his neighbor. And I think that was just uh, very fascinating what what really uh, started this transformative quest, though, this journey to truly understand, you know, how did he do it and what were the psychological principles and to mm-hmm. dive into that research was an encounter that I witnessed between him and a senator. And it happened, uh, I think it was back in the 60s or 50s or 60s. Uh, Mr. Rogers was addressing Senator Pastore and the Senate Subcommittee for Communications was meeting. And basically his programming was on the chopping block. They were looking at possibly cutting the funding and rerouting that funding for other efforts. And so Mr. Rogers sat before Senator Pastore and he began saying, you know, I prepared a statement but it would take me about 15 minutes to read it. So I won't read it to you. Instead, I'll just talk about it. And I trust that you will read it because one of the important early lessons that children learn is about trust. Mm. Well, Senator Pastore was pretty visibly irritated and he said, well, would I make you happy if you read it? Mm. But Mr. Rogers just stayed very calm, uh, very collected, very at peace. And he said, no, I'd just like to talk about it if that's okay with you. And so Pastore... I said, okay. And so Mr. Rogers went on to talk about it. Well, within that seven minute period of time, Mr. Rogers really transformed him from adversary to ally. And you could see his face. You could see uh, towards the end, he became inquisitive. He started asking questions. He started becoming interested. He wanted to know when the program was on. And at one point he said, I've got goosebumps. And then he said, I think it's wonderful. Well, you just earned the $20 million. Oh my gosh. And so that was the day Mr. Rogers saved public television in about seven minutes and earned $20 million. And it was like this most unlikely character, this gentle, kind children's television host, but he was so powerful and he could connect with people and make such an incredible, uh, create such an incredible impact and, and transformation. You could truly see the transformation within the Senator that he interacted with. And One of the things he did during that time is he asked, you know, would it be okay if I shared with you the lyrics to one of my songs? Mm. And the song came from a little boy. The little boy had asked him, Mr. Rogers, what do you do with the mad that you feel? Mm -hmm. And so he went on to write the lyrics, you know, what do you do with the mad that you feel when you feel so mad you could bite? Mm -hmm. The whole wide world seems oh so wrong and nothing you do feels very right. Do you uh, pound a bag or pound some clay? Do you round up friends for a game of tag and see how fast you can go? It's good to be able to, he went on later to say, it's good to be able to stop when you plan a thing that's wrong and do Mm -hmm. something else instead and think this song. You know, it was neat because it was almost like there was this parallel process going on that Mr. Rogers was picking up on the senator's irritation and his, his feelings of anger. And then he was talking about how he related to children 
mm-hmm. and how how to deal with their anger. And it was almost like he was connecting with a little boy inside of Pastori. Yeah. And he shared that he believed that if we could teach children how to regulate their feelings of anger and how to manage their feelings, then we can create a safer world for tomorrow. Yeah. And and that's part of when Pastore got those goosebumps. And so I showed that to my class and I had a student that said, oh, well, you know, I work with kids in inner city schools and they don't have a Mr. Rogers. So they just turn to violence when they're oh. angry. That really stuck with me. And I kept thinking about that and praying about that and thinking, no, you know, they don't have a Mr. Rogers, but, you know, the world has us now. Mm. Mr. Rogers isn't with us anymore, but the lessons that he taught us, those can live on in our hearts and our minds, and we can share those lessons. We have to be able to unpack them and know what they are and how to do that, but we can share those, and it it doesn't have to be the case that those kids have have no one. And so that really sent me on this transformative quest to understand, you know, how did Mr. Rogers do this? You know, what are the strategies, psychological principles that he used? And how can we take those and apply them in our own neighborhoods Yeah, and make a difference? That's so good. And that kind of does lead me to my next question, which is just like talking about his impact and how does that continue on today? And I think it's the lessons that were passed on to those kids that had a ripple effect out into, you know, the way that the children who were viewing his programming at the time and how they were able to like live that out later on and that it just, it's going to continue and continue. Um, hopefully just changing the generations, which is so, so cool. But is there anything else that you would say about his impact at the time, but then also continuing on? How has he changed a bit of the culture maybe? Yeah, I think um, he's he seemed to always have, have had quite an impact. And even when I talk with people now and I ask them about, you know, Mr. Rogers and if they watch Mr. Rogers, they'll typically smile and say, oh yeah, I love Mr. Rogers. Mm. Or some people might say, oh yeah, I remember Mr. Rogers, even if they didn't watch him. But now I'll say, what do you remember about him? And, and most often they remember his habit of changing into his sweater and singing, singing right. his song. But it's interesting when I ask people what they remember, some people will say, you know, they remember uh, the trolley going to the land of make-believe, or they remember the puppets, right. or, you know, so different things stand out to different people. But one of the, the impacts that he had was he taught really powerful lessons in terms of how to manage emotion. So I told you about the song, What Do You Do With The Mad That You Feel? Mm-hmm. That's one of the ways that he impacted things. Now, What's interesting is his puppet, Daniel Tiger, who his wife said was probably really Fred in his most vulnerable state, Mm. you know, that that puppet has been the inspiration for another children's television show called Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, Mm. which is an animated program. And it's it's a wonderful program as well. There's many, many of the sort of the television descendant of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And so many of the lessons and concepts from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood are present in Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood in the cartoon. And um, one of them is there's a a little song that goes something like this. When I get so mad that I could roar, I take a deep breath and I count to four. One, two, three, four. (laughs) And it's it's very quick, but it's just a great uh, way for children to be able to learn a lesson about emotion regulation. Mm. And my friend Laurel even tells me about uh, her daughter who loves to sing that song, especially when she's upset. (laughs) And it it gives kids that outlet for for regulating, which I think is great. So I think that's a a great impact 
uh, that he's had. Some of the research on his programming showed that children that grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood tended to be more creative and have longer attention spans. So it, it makes sense. He intentionally took children to the land of make-believe in every program and spent time encouraging their imaginations. Mm-hmm. And he also had a leisurely pace. He definitely liked to take his time. Mm-hmm. So he, he definitely had the right pacing for that. I loved, I saw a clip of him one time when he was, uh, I think it was accepting an award or something. And he, you know, yes. put the timer on for one minute of silence and they had to think about who had impacted them. And the yes. initial reaction from the crowd was kind of like giggles and like, oh, uncomfortable. But by the end, like you could see people were actually really emotional and like that they had kind of been allowed to slow down and just think and reflect. And it was a really, it's a really beautiful clip. If people have the time to check it out, they should. Cause I, I just, I noticed that too. And just, you know, the little that I've seen of him, just the quiet, there's not all the noise that like children's programming <laughs> I have a son, uh, <laughs> children's programming has now just really allowing people to breathe. It feels like, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I don't know, it's fascinating to watch because it's just so, so different. Um, one of the questions I had for you was just like, how was he able to connect like that with children? Cause I think the kids like really felt like they had like a real relationship with him. Like there's kind of one of those people, right? Mm-hmm. So how was he able to love the children like he did even without having like this direct relationship and it was through their tv screens yeah so um they just mentioned several really powerful things and i just want to go back for a moment to that Mm -hmm. clip that you mentioned where mr rogers was inducted into the television hall of fame and he took that time and you know that's really amazing. If you think about it, he's willing to, he was always willing to swim upstream, so to speak, and do things that weren't popular yeah. you know, on television to just take a, a, a full minute of silence. But he, he did the same things in children's television programming. And even like, for example, there were racial tensions in America right. and African-American people weren't welcomed into swimming pools. And he took a stand and he invited Officer Clemens First of all, Francois Clemens to be one of the first African-American actors to have a recurring starring role on his program. And then he invited him into his swimming pool. And so, you know, even though he had a a lower budget children's television program and he had a, you know, a plastic blue uh, small kids swimming pool and and he just invited him in to soak his feet. He made the point, and and I think yeah. viewers that share his faith and the Christian worldview will notice the parallel between Jesus washing his disciples' feet at the Last Supper. Uh, Mr. Rogers even took a towel, his own towel, and dried Officer Clement's feet. But he wanted to make it clear that everyone was his neighbor, yeah, and that he was willing to do things uh, that weren't popular. That he was willing to to take a stand, and that he was willing to advocate for his neighbor. You know, and so that was really powerful. And so I love what he did when he was speaking at every event. He did that. He would take that one minute uh, of silence or 10 seconds, depending on the venue. And he would ask, you know, would you take a moment to think of those people who have loved you into becoming, who have loved you into being who you are today? And he would often say they might be right right here with you. Mm -hmm. They might be far away. Or they may even be in heaven. Yeah. But let's take a moment to to think about how they loved you into being. And then he would take a moment 
and, mm-hmm. and keep the time. You know, that is a great segue into your question about how he connected. Because mm-hmm. even if you think about those incidents, he connected everyone in that room to the people that brought out the best in them, that loved mm-hmm. them into being uh, who who they were. Yeah. And so if we could just maybe take 10 seconds, could we take about 10 seconds just to think about if, if you would join Leah mm-hmm. and I and just think about those people in your life that loved you into becoming and into being who you are today. And as Mr. Rogers said, they may be close by, they may be far away mm-hmm. or even in heaven, but let's take about 10 seconds to think about them. Yeah. Leah, I can't help but wonder uh, if you feel comfortable sharing who yeah. who you thought of. Oh man, there's a few different people that came to mind. Um, you know, I think of like, of course, my parents, and really, I think my grandmothers also mm-hmm. really came to mind. My grandmas were two very, very different people. <laughs> <laughs> One was much more carefree and fun and affectionate, and my other grandma was a very, very proper lady, but very supportive and a a big cheerleader for us as kids. And Mm. uh, both such great examples of showing love in very different ways, but they had an incredible impact on my life and Mm. I miss them both very dearly. But um, yeah, I mean, of course my parents too. I mean, I can't help but think of them as well, but yeah, definitely. I think of my, my two grandmas for sure. What about you? Well, it's, it sounds like I could see your face, mm-hmm. you know, lined up as you're talking about your grandmas and how they mm-hmm. meant so much to you and loved you in such different ways. And, yeah. oh, that's such a, such a powerful memory. It's neat to, to hear about that. And yeah, yeah well, like you, I, I, of course, think of my parents too, but I also think of my grandmother. I call her memes and the book, mm-hmm. The Mr. Rogers Effect is actually dedicated to, to her memory. Hmm. And uh, she died at 91, one years young, but she was for all of her days, just so full of life. She loved the Lord. She loved people. She was one of my biggest fans. She was always encouraging me. And one of her last prayers with me was for uh, the readers of this book and um, for the impact that it would have. And so I just have to thank everyone who reads it for helping me to honor her memory. Mm. And that's, that's written, you know, just right in the front of the text, but she was so excited about the book and um, so excited to be able to pray with you. She was a great prayer warrior. And so I, I often think of her and, you know, Mr. Rogers went on to say, you know, after that, to take a moment to say, think about how happy uh, they would be your parents and, and your grandmas and, and my grandmother to know that we we thought of them and, mm-hmm. and for the listeners whoever came to mind how happy would they be to know that they were who you thought of when you had that moment uh, to think about who loved you into being and, and to know they had that special and important role in your life and so I think one of the ways to answer your question Leo that Mr. Rogers was very a very powerful way he connected with people was because he helped them connect with those other folks that loved them and brought out the best in them and when he had uh, Jeffrey Erlinger on his program Jeffrey was in a wheelchair 
And Jeffrey had a condition that had created some problems for him that he had to uh, be in the wheelchair. And one of the things that Mr. Rogers asked him was who his doctors were. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, you must have some wonderful doctors that take care of you. And and he asked him him about their names and their specialties. And he was able to help connect the boy with his doctors. And he was able to help connect Jeffrey with his parents and remind Mm. him of the people that cared for him. And he'd often do that in his letters to his television neighbors too, reminding people of those who had cared for them or loved them into becoming or who were there nearby to support them or who had supported them throughout their lives. And so it sort of positioned him as a part of this network of people that even from a distance would love people into becoming, love people into being. Mm -hmm. And I can't help but think that when Mr. Rogers thought about who loved him into being, that he probably thought about his grandpa, uh, Fred McFeely Rogers, who he was named for. Mm. And excuse me, his grandpa, Fred McFeely, but he was named after him, Fred McFeely Rogers. And um, he actually named this Mr. McFeely, the speedy delivery man after his grandpa. When he was a little boy, his grandpa used to tell him, Freddie, you've made this day a special day just by your being you. There's no one in the whole world like you, and I like you just the way you are. And he went on to share that message that his grandpa had shared with him for over 30 years and 800 television programs uh, with Mm -hmm. children all over the world and remind them that there's no one in the world like you. And uh, you've made this day a special day just by your being you. And so he really took that message and he was able to internalize that, believe that, and have that an important part of uh, what he held in his heart from his grandfather. And then he was able to share that with other kids, just like his grandfather did for him. Right. And I think he had such authenticity and care with the way he shared that. He told Senator Pastore that what he did was provide expressions of care. Mm. He provided expressions of care for for children all over. So when he was able to say those things and provide those messages, I think that children could sense the authenticity of it. I think children could sense that he truly believed that and they could uh, feel that sense of connection. There's several different other strategies that that he used. Um, I'm sure we'll we'll get to those as we um, move throughout our discussion, but I think those are some of the ways he was able to connect uh, so powerfully. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Thank you for taking us through that exercise too. Like, I think that's, man, we all need that. (laughs) Yes, We need those, those few moments, that's so good. Well, that was part one of the conversation, and I hope that you do not miss out on part two. It is so good, so rich, Um, and it's coming out next week as kind of a bonus episode, and it's going to have just so much more goodness from Dr. Anita as we discuss those seven secrets. If you're looking to go further into your faith this week, check out the i68 shop to grab some homework, including our Sabbath design workbook, quarterly meeting template, and faith in motion journal. If you want to catch me on the socials, you can find me at leah.rempel or at faithschoolpod on Instagram, or in that Facebook group I mentioned, Intentional Women of Faith. I'm happy to continue serving you on those platforms. Thank you for spending a little time with us today at Faith School and I-68 Ministries. We are praying that you feel fully surrendered today to the God who made you, loves you, and wants to partner with you. Class is now dismissed. Go out there and build his kingdom. We'll see you next week with Dr. Anita for part two.